The Chicago Bears lose a heartbreaker 27-17 to the Bucks on the road. But how bad really was it? Nick and I will talk through everything to do with this game on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of The Bears Blog, here with Nick Whalen from Football Guys. And Nick, what? A game. You know, we thought that it couldn't get any worse than last week, and I think it's fair to say it didn't. It got a little bit better. What do you think? I mean, yeah, there were definitely positives and negatives. I think the the hard part is that um, it just confirmed that we got, we got some stuff to fix. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the hard part. It's not like, oh, we were just off a game, which is what I thought with, you know, guys not playing in the preseason and things like that, but... We got some real issues we need to to find some, uh, be a problem solver to. I'll be honest. I just wanted to be the only Chicago Bears podcast that opens with a complete out of left field, like, let's talk about the positives after a game like that. I thought I could get you to laugh. It didn't work. I, I, I'm just, I, it's just raw right now. You know, I'm that's just. That's the thing. For me, if you go back and you watch last week's game or last week's podcast, I look dead inside. You probably noticed it, that of all the pods we've recorded, uh, that's easily the lowest energy. I hate saying it, but I think I pre-accepted this last week because it's always easy for me to buy back into the Bears. Buying stock in the Bears is second nature to me, Nick. But that last game had me really worried. And I'll tell you what, this game only makes every everything I thought about last game feel worse. Let's, let's go through a laundry list, right? Oh, for one, Matt Eberflus even tried to mix up different pressure looks, but this team is fundamentally incapable of generating pressure on the quarterback. And by the second half, Baker Mayfield looked at peace in the NFL as he has ever been. You could almost feel him saying, this rules. I love this game. And if like the only real positive you're stretching out of that is that the Bears somehow managed to only put, allow, uh, only allow 20 points on the board given 430. 30 yards of offense. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess there's a hat tip there. Justin Fields looked like he was missing reads downfield again, which is just heartbreaking stuff here in year three. Like, we don't need to pretend that it isn't. And then Luke Getze, at various times, didn't make anything any better. And in fact, had his own mistakes because I feel like the coaching staff in reaction to Fields pivots wildly. And if I was a quarterback, I would take that as a personal insult and it would affect my confidence too. Right. Because when when the first couple times you make a mistake, the offensive game plan goes, "Okay, so we're going to do none of the stuff we talked about for an entire week. We're going to instead avoid you altogether. That'll affect literally anybody's mental. And it all coalesced in a game where there at the end, I really thought Tampa Bay was trying to give it away. And instead, Chicago kind of kind of jumped on ourselves and threw the pick six up at the goal line, which is that an encapsulation of the entire Getzy Fields relationship right now, or oh, what? Oh, hundred percent. Like, I mean, you know, because because we chat during the game, we got a group of us Bears fans that we all kind of talked during the game. But it was just funny because it's like, okay, let's run a screen pass on first down, on first and five. Which I, I'm sorry, actually, I'm going to go back because one thing that bothered me on the first play was an offsides by Shaq Barrett. Justin Fields throw it up. Who? cares if cares? it's an interception because you know it's a free penalty and like he just then he tried to buy time and then he kind of threw it away just whatever but like that's when you do take the chance i mean like last week when he was going to hit mooney 
you know, but he got sacked. Like that's when you do it. That's one issue that I have, but the first and five call for a screen. Sure. I get it. That's fine. You want to start out that way. You think they're going to have a big pass rush. I understand. I think that's a pretty weak OPI on Claypool. Like how often do they call that? They call the one on Evans. And the, I'm not here to complain about the referees, but right, right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, th- that's a, that's a target to him. But like, even like the blocking downfield, the rubs, whatever. Like, I think that's a weak thing to call. But they called it. But then we were joking in the thread because we're like, oh, that screen didn't work because of the penalty. You know what? They're not going to see next another, another screen. screen. Like, what are you doing? An interior screen. And I get it, like Tampa stunts, which is not what you want in the first place. But you look at those linebackers, they had the screen covered anyways. There was nowhere to go with that ball. I, Nick, am not going to sit here and defend fields more than is worth. Though there is, look, it's it's balanced. It's Well, that's not fair, Nick. The better way to put it is there's a lot of blame to put on everybody. Blame is not a, you can make it a percentage, right? But if we were to amount blame in terms of units, there are a lot of units to go around on this Mm -hmm. Bears offense. Because Mm -hmm. to me, the worst part about this second game, it's the best part in a different light, is that I didn't think the offensive line played a putrid, horrible game of some kind. I actually expected worse out of uh, what they were going to do against this Tampa Bay front in the Tampa Bay heat. Yes, Braxton got beat. Yes, Darnell Wright got beat. Good edge rushers will beat tackles that are either on the younger side or in Braxton's case, who knows? Maybe he's a starter. I still believe in him, but, you know, he's got 15 games to prove it one way or another. The interior, I mean, Lucas Patrick only seemed like he disappeared one time. And Mm. for an interior that got smoked last week, I thought that would be a huge problem. Nick, if you had told me that Tampa was going to blitz and the offensive line and the running backs were going to pick it up, I would have expected a way bigger day from the Bears passing offense than what we got. And to me, that's the real heartbreaker. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And it's because, I mean, going into this without Carlton Davis, without Kalijah Kansi, and I know they had a really good run defense, I just envisioned we were going to air it out and, and go down the field. What would it feel? Do you golf, Robert? Enough, enough to know I'm really terrible at it. What about you? <laughs> okay, I mean, there's enough people that golf that I think will get this because very few of us are actually really good at the game. <laughs> it reaches a point where you get coaches, or you look at videos online, or you get tips from somebody where you're standing over your ball and you're thinking, okay, if I have my yes. hands this way, and then yes. I rotate, and then I have, and then I. You know, if I shift my feet just a little bit here and I aim here and I get the ball spin here, you overthink the crap out of it and you suck. That's yes. what it feels like with Justin Fields right now. Like, oh, no, they're calling a screen. I have to throw the screen. Like, I have to do this, this, this. Like, he does not feel like himself. He feels like a robot. And yes. then the one drive when the golf term, you know what? Sometimes, and I do this too. I'm just going to grip it and rip it. Right. We drive all the way down the field and score a touchdown. And by the way, Everybody, Chase Claypool had a fantastic route on that touchdown. On the seam. He he bent outside, gained a little bit of width for that DB, and made a bigger window for Fields, who just, you know what? I'm just going to rip it in there. And so that's the only drive it looked like him, outside of maybe the first drive where there was, what are those things called? The uh, QB-designed runs I saw one for like four or five yards. Those. Weird. (laughs) Weird whatever those are, you know? But like... I, I I counted this up, Robert, that because first downs are an issue for us. He had the 
he had the can can 33 yard uh completion to more so it was a run play right. you do can can when there's too many guys in the front and you audible basically to a, a pass play which was a big play to more to start the game after that play there is one two three four five six seven eight eight pass plays between that pass play on first down and the drive when he gripped it and ripped it with zero completions over eight now they were all the sacks right stacked on some but over eight that is a problem that counts the sacks right yeah that counts the sacks yep oh man yikes and i'll tell you what i keep going back and forth because like let i gotta be so clear the game plan that Getzy has for fields i can see where you think it makes sense because okay this is just my two cents nick if you can't understand why the oc thinks it's a good idea then you don't get the game plan like for as many people will say like oh why why does that make any sense well the bears are trying to make fields a pocket passer he was a pocket passer at oklahoma or at ohio state i'm the only one who's going to screw that up i i see osu my whole life and i read it as oklahoma state that's what i get for being a texan but so anyways the the Bears saw that and they said, well, we can make him a pocket passer. And you know Fields, after all that offseason work, came in like, I'm tired of being called the running guy. Like, I want to throw the ball just like Lamar did in his MVP season. Well, so he's getting his opportunities, right? Because for as many different things as Luke Getzey screws up, you take, what was it, three sacks in a row that looked like they had open reads and ways to distribute the ball. And I know there's somebody listening to this. That's going to think, well, Robert, you got upset at him taking the check down last weekend. Why are we upset at him now for not taking the check down? Just throw it to the open guy downfield. He's there. I know you can do it. Like, it, it shouldn't be this hard. It, it, we shouldn't be sitting there in the lurch watching Todd Bowles, the blitz guy, call zone drop looks for seven and eight man coverages because he thinks he's got a better shot at taking fields down with less rushers given more time and fields will hold it for four and a half seconds. Like Nick, it's I can understand how Luke Getze would try to tell his friends that this isn't his fault. And maybe there's a dollop of truth in it because in theory you could call like you're talking about more of a Greg Roman style of game, right? Crazy quarterback runs, nearly never dropping back in the pocket, etc. But for all the people that are going to point at guys like Lamar, like Jalen Hurts, like, I don't know, Daniel Jones, all three of those guys are hitting their layups in the pocket. Cause mm-hmm. is it fair to say, Nick, that's what a lot of these are. Like these aren't complex triple layer reads where the only way you're going to get a completion is by putting your eyes one way, drawing a linebacker out of position and just stuffing the ball into a like into a receiver's hands. A lot of these are open. And if you can hit these, the defense has to adjust to them, opens up a bunch of other stuff. But we aren't hitting them. And a coach can't forever put his player in position that he knows they're not going to win. But all the same, it feels like it feels like that same horrible feedback loop that we lived in for what two and a half years with Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, where it's like, well, Nagy calls a play, Trubisky can't do it, and then Trubisky makes a play, and Nagy won't call it, and just going back and forth. Am I crazy for being on the seesaw? No, I mean he lacks confidence. That's like the easiest way to describe it right now. He's not hitting the layups. I don't know how many of these are open. We'll wait till we see the all twenty-two. I mean that. The, the, the one drive that sucked the most is when you get at midfield after the field goal block, which that was a positive play for Rasheem Green, shockingly. Awesome play. And, and and you, and he drops back, nothing's there. I mean, twice he's scrambled 
and taken a sack running up the middle, which I don't understand. Like, just go outside. That's what you do. And then you have the reverse to Bayless, who Cole Komet gets blown up four yards back, and that's negative three <laughs> yards, and then another sack. Like, it was just like, what are we doing? Like, we, we can't even do quick. And the, honestly, the best quick game guy right now is like Cole Komet for six yards or 10 yards or whatever. But yeah, you have to hit the quick game on time. But then if the guy's wide open in the middle of the field, which I saw one to Tyler Scott, I don't know if you saw that one, they, they ran like a like a rail to the running back yeah. trying to go up, maybe up the seam. And he checked there and his eyes like stayed there and didn't come over to Scott. But I mean, I mean, we'll see a lot more, but kind of like last week, I mean, it's almost everybody like, oh yeah, there's a designed quarterback sweep finally. And where's the snap? High and right. Like, like exactly where it can't be. So more time goes by and flow and it gets blown up. And it's just constantly a bunch of error. Braxton Jones, false start. And I'll, I'll, now first and 15 or second and 15. Like, like people are just cons- consistently stepping on each other. So I have a couple of things here, which I think are Give me. surprising. Well, you had talked about like feeling bad. Okay. This might make you feel good. I, I hope so. Okay. So uh, one positive i'm just going to do one positive for the defense and then we'll just talk overall so the the defense allowed that first drive of the second half for touchdown 89 yards mike evans had two long touchdown or two long completions one was for a touchdown um which i couldn't believe on third and 13 but no um after that drive i'm not going to count the two kneel downs the defense allowed 48 yards in the second half after that drive and that's on Let's see, one, two, three drives. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, for for at one point being down four of your top six DBs and knowing you don't get a pass rush, I'm like, you kind of did your job of defense. So that that's a positive. Nick, second play of the game. What happened? You wanna you wanna remind me what happened? Second play. I can't remember it. So that's Andrew Billings creating pressure because that's what he did all last week. He may be real and Jaquan Brisker showing extra oh, in, or showing improved yep. uh, anticipation, jumping in front of a slant route that man, Nick, if he catches that, we don't even have the questions about yep. like Justin Fields and whatnot. Cause it wouldn't surprise me if the bears just trot all the way home to a win. Like they almost had a pick six. Well, well cause, <laughs> cause then, cause then Baker doesn't have confidence. You know, like, cause the, cause momentum is a right. thing. And confidence is a thing. And, and he, here was, for everyone that, you know, maybe you didn't follow all this stuff closely. Here's the Bucks game plan. Okay. They ran the ball some and sometimes more effectively than actually I thought they would. But it was, okay, um, Tyreek Stevenson's a rookie. We're going to throw at him all the time. And then, oh, hold on. The safeties are out. Okay. Now we're going to pick on Elijah Hicks on a deep dig. Or we're going to do this. Okay. Now we're going to go back and pick on Stevenson. Oh, hold on. Terrell Smith's over there now. We're going to pick on him. And there's a 20 yard completion. Like that was their entire game plan. And honestly, it's what I did in high school when I was in OC. Like you just pick on, oh, that guy's a freshman. We're definitely going at him. And so we're going to have growing pains like that. But for them to like stiffen up. And then this is the exciting part for me. And this is, again, another positive because I think there's a lot that people are like, you know, the sky is falling. And I mean, and this is football. You're going to win. You're going to lose whatever is when the game got close, it was 20 to 17 and we needed a stop. Defense came up with one. They were, they were in it, but they were also like, you could tell they cared, which last week 
we did not get that. It was like, ah, oh, whatever. Cause there was a big stop Billings and Sanborn, right. you know, collapsed down. But when it wasn't a game, when it was 20 to 10 or whatever, do you remember that fourth and one toss to Rashad white and they converted? Yes. Okay. That, you know, TJ Edwards comes down, they crack him crack yep. and it's Tyreek Stevenson one-on-one with Rashad white. And this is there's only one cardinal sin that I hate about DBs, and that's when you let anyone outside of you. The second one I hate is when you just stand there and you're like, okay, and you catch the guy. Right. He just waited beyond the first down marker for White. If he was in his mind, the hustle, hits, philosophy, just run up. I don't care if you miss. Run up, be aggressive, and you try to stop him, and he didn't. So that part, That part sucked. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, Nick, that whenever I look at rookies, I, I always feel bad for guys like Tyreek Stevenson because to me, there's Sauce Gardner, who is like one in a million. Most rookie DBs, even the good ones, look more like Derek Stingley than Sauce Gardner. And Stingley, mm -hmm. from what I understand, is looking pretty solid this year, like a normal second-year corner. But yeah. as a rookie, it's always tough out there. And it doesn't help anything. This is totally just me commenting on Eberflus's scheme philosophy and where I disagree with him. But it seems so strange to me to get these overbearing, long, physical corners like Tyreek Stevenson. And you have one in Jalen, but honestly, Jalen Johnson's best trait is his versatility. You want to play him in spot drops. You want to play him like he's 5'10", he can hang like he's 5'10". You want to play him like he's 6'4", he can hang like he's 6'4". He's six foot, and he's like 190 pounds, but he flexes between the sides just really prettily. You can play cover two zone. This this might be blasphemous. The CIA may break into my studio here and uh, and take me away for saying this, Nick. You can play cover two zone with press. You can play, and you don't even have to use physical hand press. You could just press at the line of scrimmage with your body as you drop into your zone. Yeah. Why we're leaving Tyreek Stevenson off, like 10 yards off the ball in his zone against these big NFL receivers, to me, feels like setting a young DB up for failure. Like, I understand that everybody's looking at Stevenson and they're saying he's getting killed out there. But this isn't what he does. If you drafted him to do this, what were you doing? Honestly, just like this is where I just disagree with the scheme and doesn't help that you can't get nearly any pressure. And a guy that the entire NFL has turned into a pumpkin on the weekly suddenly turns back into Cinderella, like yep. against you guys. But that's life in the NFL, right? The good news is, if you're feeling like I do, Nick, there is weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about the doom and gloom stuff. We can at least focus on this game within the realm of a football contest because I do think that lost in the middle of even lost seasons is a bunch of actual football games where players played, and in many cases, they get better or they prove something. I really thought Jatiri Carter, the very least, if because he did play today, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and well, that's the thing is I didn't hear anything yeah. or see anything. He must have been okay. Must have been okay. <laughs> and that's a huge win. I thought Darnell Wright was hanging in there for the majority of the game. Like, yep. there's a lot to actually think is, okay, it's not like great, Nick, but it's good for the future. Like, the future pieces as the core of this roster maybe kind of falls apart. <laughs> the, the, Pieces that are going to support the next core of the roster look like they could easily be pretty good. And that has me 
relatively upbeat. Obviously, it stinks that the offense effectively scored early, had a rally drive late, and were was nearly over throughout the rest of the game. But I'll tell you what, Nick, this here's another opinion that I am actually shocked that coexists with such a poor team. For as bad and unexplosive as the Bears' offense has been, DJ Moore looks like the truth. Like, to me, he looks like he is so good. What do you think? Uh, well, for people that don't know, uh, DJ Moore had seven targets this week, only two last week, six receptions, 104 yards. When's the, when's the last time they had a 100-yard receiver? That That's one thing. So, yeah, no, he looks fantastic, catches everything. Breaks a tackle um, every time he touches the ball. Doesn't matter yeah. where he caught it. It's yeah. insane. He, he, the, the one thing that's different with him is like, um, you know, play speed and all that kind of stuff. He never looks like he's trying that hard. No. He just has like this smooth <laughs> calmness to his game. And he's always like a step ahead of everybody. The one thing that, so, so that is definitely a positive. One thing that was a negative, and, and I commented on this in our chat, our, our Bears chat, that I didn't really realize it till the third quarter, but I was like, where is Darnell Mooney? So he hurt his knee, but when did he hurt it? Because he had no targets the whole day. I have no idea. I mean, look. Far be it from me to speculate too hard, though, Nick, I'm going to say something ridiculous anyways, I guess. But this is a team that lost its composure halfway through week one. This is a team whose DC did not travel with the team. I have no idea what happened to Mooney. I couldn't tell you. A knee injury seems ridiculous. I assume something happened, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it went with so little fanfare. Like, they obviously didn't call an injury timeout that I sit here nearly frustrated that we just find out halfway through the game where it's like, oh, yeah, our second best receiver is just not playing. And it's like, right. oh, well, great. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. <laughs> yep. Yep. This, I mean, and that's I mean, I mean, that has to affect the whole offense when you don't have that guy who has the most rapport with fields, too. Yeah. I mean, the hits keep on coming in quite a few ways for for the Chicago team. It's just. It is so fun watching DJ Moore play football because, for instance, Justin Fields hitting him on what must have been a 30 or 40 yard in route down the field. I couldn't tell you the actual yardage. Holy smokes. It looked like Moore had four yards of separation minimum yep. from his corner. Like he mm -hmm. blew him away there. Mm -hmm. There have got to be. I don't know. I think I'm just haunted by the, the Packers game and that JTO Sullivan breakdown and my own film study, just meshing those all together, Nick, because I keep thinking about how this offense is trying to get the horizontal inbreakers going that we wanted them to get going at the start of the season. And I just, there've got to be windows there, right? Like yeah. Tampa clearly made things. They felt like they made things too easy when they were blitzing early. The offense was picking them up and the then fields was getting the ball out. And as they shifted towards dropping more guys back into coverage, we froze again. We took a bunch of sacks again and the yeah. offense got inside of its own head again. It's a nasty pattern that I keep working my way back into because every time I start somewhere positive, it's like, oh, yeah, just feed DG more the ball. It should be easy, and it's not easy. This, it is uninspired football, and I think that's what I'm most bummed about. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and and the thing is, is because football is layers, right? If you do this, then I'll do this. Then the next layer has to be true. So what's weird is, is if if we had all these sacks in the middle of this game between that one drive and then the drive late that scored, and if the inbreakers weren't open, they could be. 
Some of them could be. I know everything's not absolute. If those aren't open, then the clear route, the seams, maybe the guy up the sideline, maybe the slot fades, they had to be open. And we didn't take any of those shots at all today. Like like these deep digs, basics, crossers that that we hit. um, I mean, I I guess you could say Claypool. Those are deep shots. I'm not saying that they're not. But the one play action over the top deep post behind a safety, if you can get there, or up the sideline, we've thrown a single one. Tyler Scott showing off his speed. Vela showing off his speed. And I thought we would see one today. And that's the thing that Same. doesn't make sense to me. So, like, is he holding it because it's not there? Or is he holding it and the, the inbreaker, the safety jumped it and he didn't have time to get to the, the deep ball? But, like, why not throw at least one of those? At least overthrow it just to put fear in the safety to back up. I... I couldn't tell you. And I mean, for all we know, picks and other things that we haven't seen in practice are creeping into his head, right? Like, maybe it's a confidence problem. I'll tell you, I did a ton of work yesterday, drew the ire of Dan Orlovsky, so whatever that's worth to you. <laughs> but I remember I was I was stop watching a bunch of different quarterbacks dropbacks, and I'm still probably going to put something out because unfortunately, the story didn't change. So this will be just as interesting next Wednesday as it would have been yesterday. But Nick, it meant that I ended up watching uh, Tua and Jordan Love, who have watched a ton of and Jared Goff and Derek Carr and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and even the rookie version of Justin Fields. And every quarterback that I mentioned was pacier through their drop. But moreover, they move at the top of their drop back. They are cycling through their reads with their feet, and it feels like Fields, like we saw in that Braxton Jones sack, is just hitting the top of his drop and freezing. He didn't do this as a rookie. Like, something has changed, and I don't know whose trouble it is. I mean, I was just talking to Jeff Hughes earlier before the game. He's pretty well connected within the org, and he has no idea who, if anybody, is telling Fields to be less aggressive or not throw turnovers. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me, Nick, if there's no coach in the NFL so incompetent as to tell Fields, throw the ball downfield less, right? There are some of these things that are just, they're too big of a logical leap. But for one reason or another, whether that's Andrew Dancoco, whether that's Matt Eberflus emphasizing hits and it's a subliminal message, whether that's Luke Getze and the way that he's structuring the offense, something has happened and Fields looks unnerved nearly every time he takes longer than two seconds. Then he gets in his own head. You don't get any of those natural instincts. And to go all the way back to where you started this show, he becomes the golfer that's saying, oh, well, I got to shift my feet out here and I got to turn my wrists a little bit inside or else I'm going to hook the darn thing. Oh, and I can't pull the club all this way back or I'm going to overswing. And then would you believe it? He scuffs the dirt, leaves a massive divot and the ball goes into the water, right? <laughs> yep. Well, that's the thing is like, It's like you're there and you're like, oh, the water is right there. Like, don't hit it in the water. And then you hit it in the water. Like, that's what it seems like. Like, that last drive, while there was a little hope, we haven't been led to anything to believe that there should be hope. And then, honestly, like that last pick to Claypool, I was proud of Fields, honestly. Because what did he do? He gripped it and ripped it. And yeah, it was on Claypool's hands. And some people be like, he should have had that. I mean, that happens. Like, that's not, I don't whatever he just but at least he let it go like i would he he missed tunyon on one which i thought was actually a good ball that's one of those yes. where it's like you might think like oh that's fields fault like he put that in the the perfect spots maybe 
Tunyon didn't get out of his route fast enough, his head around, you know, but that that's football. That's fine to me. And I'll I'll use an example. I like this golf metaphor. I really do, Nick. Uh, so expanding on it a little bit. I used to try to fix everything in my golf swing, and I went from bad to worse really, really fast. And so then one thing I realized, because I used to play lacrosse, so my wrists are overactive, uh, just as a quick thing. And I'm still using the clubs that I used when I was a teenager, which I've been told is really bad because the shafts flex too much or whatever. Which, which by the way, you know what that is? That is the wide receivers from last year. And now we upgraded our clubs, right? Now we upgraded our clubs, but moreover, Nick, I realized that one of the easiest ways for me to fix this nasty slice that I have that angles way off to the right is to just torque the club really far inside so that when my wrists open up, it comes in flush. It doesn't always work, but it works more often than trying to be a perfect golfer because I stop overthinking it and I just swing relatively naturally and stick to what I'm good at. And Nick, I don't know. If it's going to be in Chicago, but I struggle to believe that Justin Fields, who has had his footwork changed, he has had his release worked on, he has had all the ways he goes through his reads, just doctored and doctored to the point where it's clearly overbearing. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be some offense out there that tries to turn him into a Ryan Tannehill-esque, hand the ball off or throw it deep kind of guy, and he'll calm down. But I, I really worry. Within the confines of this offense and this locker room and this jersey and even driving his car to Hallis Hall every day, how it gets better from here. And you tell me, calm me down. This is your moment because well, well, well here's the thing <laughs> is that it did happen last year. They did figure it out last year, and it's kind of the same thing. Like if you struggle with protecting the quarterback in the pocket, then you have to move the pocket. And that doesn't mean it has to be a whole rollout. It can be a slide. Cause because yes, the defensive ends, right, where they're at, they 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 run that loop knowing that okay, the quarterback's gonna be somewhere in this area. But if you move that area, it makes the one D end his angle way off and the other one has to readjust on the fly. So you the twists and the games and the blitzes are all designed for this one certain point. If you move the pocket a little bit or you play action, like we don't even do this anymore. The, or this game, I don't know. I can't remember one. I, I'm sorry. One was the goal line run that he ran in is the split zone boot action, right? Outside zone. You have the tight end coming underneath to either kick out the end, which is what you have the big play action passes off of or you roll out and he leaks in the flat. Like those are concepts that give you time. He can be an athlete. Like we got sacked, what, twice last week on it. So I get that you might be a little gun shy. You didn't even try it. Like that goes into his strengths. Or we talked about this, Robert, prior, because we were excited about fields. We were. You could do with him. If you ran empty, spread it out. You could run your, your screen game through it. I don't really care but it makes the defense identify. And this is what the Eagles do. Okay, you do that, great. And then you look at the defense. Oh, they only have five in the box. You could pump a screen and you could run a draw, five on five, and you could run. Like, start running him north and south. He can do it. He did it today, one time when you called it. Like, stop being afraid of whatever. Turn it loose and make him be not just Hurts, Josh Allen does it. He doesn't care about his body. Like right now, you have to nothing the to point lose. where it's ridiculous. It, to be fair, right, right, he, he's ridiculous. But because right now, if you don't do that, he's going to crumple into a pumpkin, and 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 he's going to maybe do it somewhere else. So you either have to try it now, 
Or if it doesn't work out, okay, then you get a quarterback next year. But you have to at least play to his strengths. This is the stupidest game plan. I I can't even fathom how dumb this is. I'm going to risk saying something that I don't mean because I don't mean the way that somebody's going to misinterpret this. You put this on Twitter, and I swear I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you, whoever does this. (laughs) Tyson Bajant, given 10 weeks, makes more sense for this offense than Justin Fields does. It's just weird that they've kitted an offense around like West Coast quick fire quarterbacking when that's never what Justin Fields was going to be. I mean, here I am. I'm a huge fan of empty. Always going to be a huge fan of empty. But I'm also a huge fan of spread coast. Like, I'm the worst person to ask because that's my jam, man. I love Mm -hmm. this stuff. But within that, like, where'd the under center stuff go? For Chicago, Fields is actually pretty comfortable in it. I mean, that that standard like roll all the way back, fake the handoff, plant your foot, turn around, and rip it in. Like that's staple boot action play or like boot action play pass game. And where did it go? Why did we become a gun only offense all of a sudden? It is as if Nick they cut out all the stuff that they quote unquote didn't think was something we wanted Justin Fields to really be doing long-term. And instead, they just said, Justin, I want you to go play left-handed. I mean, not literally, because this is the part. This discussion is where we separate Justin Fields is struggling with stuff that most quarterbacks aren't struggling with. And especially in year three, that's a problem. Okay, period. Just put put that away in the filing cabinet, because it's real. But the game plan doesn't make any sense. I think you'd agree with that. It, well, well, we, we we talked about this in the chat. I mean, and, and and again, like I'm not I'm not saying these players are better, but like Andy Dalton, Tyson Bajan, et cetera, This offense is built for them. It's not built for Fields. And so, like, what you need to do because you have to up his confidence, you have to cater the offense to him. If he's overthinking, make him underthink that. Be like, okay, hey, this call is going to be for more play action, throw it. whatever, and that and then it's going to be him. Like, like you, you honestly like like do that to build them some confidence, but yeah, the one, two, three, I should go here. Then the ball should go here type thing. Like we talked about this last week. This is putting Shaq in the corner and having him shoot threes. Can he hit threes? Probably. Is this the strength of him or, or anything of his skill set? No, it's not. And this doesn't mean that Justin Fields can't throw quick. doesn't mean that he can't read concepts. We're not saying that. We're just saying that if you take away the four, four, 40 yard dash athleticism on the run creativity from a player. That's stupid. Let me put it this way. I'll say what I don't, I don't think you want to Nick. Sean Payton put up 19 points on a real NFL defense with Taysom Hill. Like <laughs> there are ways to score in the NFL. Even if you think all you have at quarterback is an athlete, I don't think that's Justin Fields. But even if you did, there are ways to yes. run an well, offense because you're plus one in the box. Then, like, exactly, like, make it make sense. If if you have the advantage in the goal line and you're plus one in the box, then you run him. Like it. What are you scared of at this point? You're Where did the Rolodex games? run game go? It was there last year. Like we should have practiced it. We we have nearly the entire same offensive line, especially now that Whitehair is at left guard. Like yes. everybody's in place to run exactly what we did last year, and instead, all we're doing is split split flow inside zone handoffs up the middle, and and it works sometimes, but other yeah. times it turns out Vitavea is better than you. Why'd you run at him? Like there's Ooh. some of this stuff is just 
it doesn't make any sense. I, I have a complaint. Go for it. I, I think I put this on Twitter, but um, Vita Vea, he's good, right? Right. Isn't it a penalty if you land on the quarterback when you hit them? If you drive them into the ground, yes. And if you, like, dive on them. But it, it's basically, as I understand it, a matter of if the referee thinks you could have not done it. He did. I mean, yeah. there's so many times when it's like this, whatever. And if we want to protect the quarterbacks, again, he didn't get that call today. So that, that's that's one complaint. Okay, I have something kind of changing it up a little bit. Do it. Okay, I have I have some statistics. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw two sets at you here. Okay? Ready for it? Okay, total yards: two forty four versus four forty six. Time of possession: two thirty or, or twenty three minutes forty five seconds. To thirty six sixteen, or two thirty six versus four thirty seven total yards. Okay, slightly similar, slightly different, and two twenty four oh four to thirty five fifty six time possession. Which so the first game one is Chicago? Is oh, oh man, which game is Chicago? Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh this it's, test. It's both, it's both almost double those the are, yards. Those are damn close. Like, um. Let me see. I'm going to guess that the first one's Chicago, but what's going on? What you got for me? And and this is going to be my point too. The first one was Green Bay Atlanta. And that was a one point game. And they were outgained actually more than Chicago. They had worse time possession than Chicago. And one of the big differences is that when they get down into the red zone, they score touchdowns. And that's a huge difference between they're 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 just deficient in some in their shot plays and things like that. And Chicago's not right now. So I mean, one thing I know like everything sucks, but Detroit, Minnesota, and Green Bay all lost. So that helps well, a little bit. Okay, so Nick, let me build off of this. I went to yeah. Baylor during the the heyday of thou shall thou who shalt not be named. His name rhymes with Smart Miles. Uh, and apparently now, if you bring him onto the sidelines, it is nearly fireable, as Nick Letty fouled out just the other week. But mm. the point is, is that Bryles' offense was all catered around. If we have even the most modest mismatch on the outside, I'm going to hit that over and over and over and over. And I'm going to hang 77 points on you because you might think I would only call this play once. I will call it every time if I've got the mismatch and we will keep scoring on it. And within that, it feels to me like the reminder that I'm trying to get across is that the NFL is all a bunch of thin, thin margins. The the difference between a win and a loss can be the difference between whether Jaquan Brisker hangs onto the football. It can be as tight as things were in Seattle. It can be the fact that Jordan Love played. I mean, he didn't pass for as many yards as Justin Fields did, for instance. But the Green Bay offense was still able to put three or three touchdowns on the board through Jordan Love's arm, partially because of the process through which he plays quarterback. I'm not about to freak out and make some crazy take on this podcast, but it's more to say, Nick, that like you're talking about, things change in a hurry. And in Mm -hmm. theory, if the Bears add a little bit of talent and they get a scheme that matches up with the quarterback, because at the end of the day, I think my take for pretty much the rest of the year, Nick, and we'll see, I hope my mind gets changed, but they're going to play in Kansas City next week. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if things are going to change fast. And then after that, they get Sean Payton. And like, 
Who worse to smell blood in the water and come for your team than mm-hmm. Sean Payton as he tries to put the Broncos back on the, the shelf? But the point is, at the end of the day, an offense, and certainly an NFL team, is a group project. It's not unlike anything that anybody's ever done in school where you and four or five other people are going to go through, you're going to work on something together, and then you're going to present it to the class. And at the moment, the Bears aren't good. whole thing is bad. And yep. is that Justin Fields? Is that Luke Getze? Past a certain point, am I crazy for thinking it doesn't matter? And at the end of the day, nope, the Bears are probably going to get some new major players as soon it's, as next year. It's everybody. Like, that's the thing is someone's like, what's going on in Chicago? Like, like who's good? Like, I, it's tough to say. Like, DJ. I mean, I think DJ, DJ is DJ good. DJ is good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I saw a different Chase Claypool today. I mean, if we want to talk about a positive and I mean, that last play, I mean, his hands on it. He was trying. He reaches for first downs. He had some good blocks. Even if you want to call that OPI on him, he cared. And so I think the difference is, but I have two things. One is the name that you can't name from Baylor. The one thing that they did offensively is they, they had like this really super spread and they mm-hmm. like, okay, going to count the box. I'm going to hand it like C-Strunk, right? Remember him? Yes. Or... Or Katie Cannon, you know, like, like whatever. <laughs> you no, I, know I, this. <laughs> I love that. Oh, come on. I'm, a, I'm an offensive guy. You don't think I know that? I love that offense. <laughs> you know who else ran that offense? Are, Are you going to go uh, with Heupel? For there instance? you go. Tennessee. Super spread, right? And they're they're going to count the box and they're going to figure it out. So, so, but with that is spread it out and make the defense identify. Don't let them play with you in terms of blitzes and things like that. Like, don't you... you I had this conversation literally on Friday. So with, with uh, a coworker who's a head coach, because I have the sickness, okay? It's called football. Like, right. I don't, I, I like the Cubs. I'm not all in on following every game or watching every game. I like the Bulls. I don't follow it all, you know, a bunch. Like, football is what I do because I, I can't do it all. And I was talking to him about, I've, I have some crazy out there ideas in terms of creativity, but the one thing that I cannot do is let's say I am undermanned. I don't have a good O-line. I don't right. have a good quarterback. Which I don't happens. have whatever. Every team in the NFL has to deal with being undergunned right. somewhere. Well, 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 but but any level too, right? College, high school, it doesn't matter where. I will find a way to try something different. So even if I'm not good and you're way better than me, I will do something you haven't seen before. So that way... You might be thinking overthinking it, and I might gain an advantage. Like Chicago should treat, and this leads into this thing. Chicago should treat the rest of the year. Okay. Cause right now you're 0 and 2, the odds of making the playoffs. I think what is it? It's like 12% or they you know, get whatever. real bad if you go 0 and 3. And that feels I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion, uh, Nick, but <laughs> the, the way this year's going, though, Robert, we we'll probably beat Kansas City and we'd lose the first two. But anyways, I thought we were gonna win today. I thought we were I thought we were reliving 2019. So I thought it was a loss all the way up until Fields threw that strike to Chase Claypool and then they got that stop and I went, yeah. "Here it comes. Here's yeah. the drive that's going right. to renew hope in but, everybody's soul." <laughs> right. But, but but going back. So how they need to treat the rest of the season is it's an experiment. We're going to try this. Oh, nope. Okay, now we're going to try this. Like you cannot do the same thing over and over and over again. Expect this a different result. Expecting, I mean, are the players going to get a little bit better? It's possible. Yeah, sure. I mean, you get Tevin Jenkins back. I think that changes a lot of things. Hopefully, Eddie Jackson is back next week. That scares me a little bit. Kyler Gordon. I mean, yep. every team's going to have injuries, but 
you cannot do the same thing. Like we need to try an experiment, be like, Hey, you know what? This didn't work out. I'm going to try something differently and see if we get some different results. That's what needs to be the rest of the season for Chicago. Now, Nick, let me ask you some ugly questions. Okay. So this is your, this is everybody's disclaimer warning because I know everybody's going to do this on Twitter, DBB, whatever website or forum or bar you hang out with in Chicago. Everybody's going to do it. So we might as well do it too, Nick. If the season ended today, are you firing Matt Eberflus? Yep. Okay. What would Matt Eberflus have to do to change your mind from now to the end of the year? To me, I still think the Bears are undermanned. To me, the Bears need to play with passion. That's what I want. I want them out there. And I thought I saw a little bit more of it today, but I need to see that all over the place. And I'm not seeing that right now. That that hits philosophy. That's who you are. Think of the Lions with Dan Campbell, right? Right. They, I mean, even last year, they went on the winning streak, which I feel like that's what needs to happen for a lot of things to change here. But is the, the, they fought and clawed and whatever. And we saw a little bit of that in the second half, but I need to see that all the time. doesn't mean you're going to win. No. But, but I need to see some fight. And do you need to see wins or just fight? If they go 1-16, but they fight real hard and they lose every game within three, are you in? Do we keep did, them? Did they beat Green Bay? No, they lose every game. Uh, well, I guess the one team they beat is Carolina, which is a great irony at the time. Need, need that one. Um, he, he, he's he gone because, in my opinion, the biggest issue right now is actually defense. I agree. Um, and if your scheme and the guys you handpicked to bring in with polls aren't getting it done, um, the – one of the things that bothered me the most today, I would say, and I know people probably don't catch up on this stuff, but this is me as a coach. So Mike Evans caught, and you remember this on the sideline, uh, Jalen Johnson, someone else like came up. They, they weren't, they didn't really have eyes on Evans. He snuck behind him. He caught it, goes up the sideline and Elijah Hicks comes up and hits him. And he, and he just like, if, if you're watching your YouTube, he's, and his arms are just like this, like, doesn't rap. Just, ugh. I might hit him. He might fall so out terrible. of out of bounds. He did it. And then he goes another 15 yards down the field. That bothers me more than anything. Not the completion, the effort. And so we need to see way more of that from your defensive philosophy that's supposed to be getting turnovers, which where are those? The, the more stops. You can't allow Tampa Bay 437 yards when they had, what, 200 against Minnesota, who is equally less talented. They might oh, be yeah. less talented. Every time I watch this team, Nick, it always dawns on me that I've watched enough Steelers tape. I have watched enough like bad team footage to know what quit looks like because the Steelers don't quit. That was sort of what I was getting at. And this team, it feels like the effort comes in spurts. Normally, we don't have to talk about Claypool's effort because it's expected that your yeah. receiver that's yeah. that big is right. going to try. And so I completely understand. Okay, two more quick questions. First of all, season ended today. Are you firing polls? No. I probably am not either. We'll get to why in a hot moment. Uh, So then in that case, I don't have to ask you uh, what you would change. If we were going to talk about the horrible, awful stuff, Nick, to me there is one elephant in the room, and that is that if the Bears start 5-0 or 6-0, because I don't know if they'll beat Minnesota, at the rate that they're currently going, then at some point you have to start thinking about 2024. And if you think yep. about 2024, you know that your team could jockey for the first overall pick. 
and that if you get the first overall pick, Caleb Williams is not a given. Drake May is not a given. If you like Shadir Sanders, J.J. McCarthy, whatever direction you want to go, none, nobody's a given, but Caleb Williams is at least closer than the options were, um, forgive me. So I think last year is a great example of a quarterback class that had some strong quarterback prospects, in my opinion, Nick, but that none of them wowed me. The Bears' decision to keep Justin Fields, trade down, acquire talent instead of starting over with Bryce Young is a decision that I would make again, even in the face of what we are seeing right now. Unbothered. The team that Caleb Williams, theoretically, would inherit is a better team than the team that Bryce Young would have been playing on. And that, to me, is mission critical. Mm -hmm. I digress. The Bears, I love them. It's a family-run organization. This isn't exactly a brand new set of billionaires. And they have shown us in the past that they are slow to fire people. Let me put two and two together because Brad Biggs wrote an article about this last time we did this circle. He talked about how the Bears actually have to think about how many guys they can fire at a time because they don't want to pay the buyouts because that takes money that sometimes the org doesn't have. If I had to guess, Matty Berflus will put them in a position where it's hard to not fire him. That's my guess. I don't know how if you're if Matthew Eberflus leads your team to two first overall picks, you can't fire him, right? That's Hugh Jackson stuff. You have right. to make that move. But if it happens, Nick, Ryan Poles theoretically will have an awfully large war chest of cap and draft resources, and he'll be able to pick, in theory, an offensive head coach that can grow with the rookie. You look at what's going on in Indianapolis right now. Tell me that's not something to be envied, right? Like, and that's that's even with Anthony Richardson having gotten hurt today. Like, that, that's the frustration. It is. Richardson, Richardson is way more raw, less starts. And I get that it doesn't always work out. See Trey Lance, like not everyone can develop, but like seeing Zach that like, work right now. Yeah, seeing that work right now and it can't work here. I mean, it tells you a lot of things overall, but Luke Getzey's not the guy. And, and and how how soon could he be let go? Uh, so that's that was the question, right? Oh, okay. Sorry. No, 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 no. Because as you work towards it, the offensive plan I just architected makes sense, right? And, and we can talk about head coaches. We shouldn't. We're not going to. I'm not going to say a name, Nick, because nobody can tell me that we talked about the offseason more than we should have on this pod, right? Right. That's true. Okay. But in this in this moment, in this season, you cannot fire enough people that the locker room gets fired up and blows it for you, right? Like mm. you you suddenly end up in this paradoxical catch-22, if I'm seeing it correctly, where you actually need to keep things pretty low. Like you have to lose quite a few games. This is going to be a competitive race to the bottom, unfortunately. And unless Arizona, whether it's Los Angeles, you just help Tampa Bay, like now they're at two wins. You would need right. two whole wins. To tie with Tampa. Like, it, 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 yeah, it's so sad, isn't it? Like, everything I, I'm talking about is bad to the point of comedy, and I understand that. But if you fire Luke Getze and Chris Morgan slaps, problem not solved, problem created. If, if you, like, if you fire Matt Eberflus, who's going to take over? Alan Williams didn't travel with the team. So is it Getze's show at that point? Like, what what does that do? And what if that does energize somebody? If we get to week 15 
And a head coach on his way out does what any sane head coach would do. You know it. I know it. Might even happen earlier than week 15. And Tyson comes in, and Tyson beats the Car- or beats the Carolina Panthers. He beats the Cardinals, and he beats uh, I don't know, like the Falcons, because the Falcons' defense just isn't there. Boom! You blew it. Like you dropped from pick one to pick five in a, at the very end of the season. How would you, Nick, go about managing the rest of the year? Like, when do you, if you're Ryan Poles, pull the plug? How do you pull the plug? And how do you basically try to get to where you want to go? Um, well, okay, this is this is one thing that that bothers me overall, okay? And I and I just did it, so I'm gonna stop myself. I I know that this is a part of what we should talk about. But you but hate I it. also, but I also, these are people. And like, I hate like are. saying this person should, should lose their job because like, if someone said that about me and my job, it would bother me. So I get that. But overall right now, I think that you can't make any change for five to seven weeks for anybody. I agree. No matter what happens at all. Don't like think even, you could do it till you're 0 and 8. One yeah, and seven, and, and that then then you can start doing some things because again, like, I mean, I, I from the first three weeks we were hoping for, I mean, four weeks we were hoping for two wins, quite a few wins right? at the right. very least. But that, but that, but that, but then it gets easy, and then we have a hard stretch, and then it gets easy again. So, I think we still need to give it time. We still need to see some stuff. Sure, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, here's the good news. I know I'm being could, extreme for what it's worth. Anybody out there right. that's like, Robert, where the, where is this coming right. from? Right. I know. But I here, know. here, here's, here's the thing in your, in your, you know, in your pocket. Let's say you make a change. Chris Morgan slaps, as you said, crushes it. Fields looks like a different guy, right? Or they just manage to get wins and you don't get the first overall pick from your pick. It still could be first because of Carolina who, doesn't look good. And they just lost JC Horn for a while too. So right. like it still could come together, even if you make that change. But to me, I think the, um, the development of the talent that you have is more, and the morale is more important than getting the number one pick for, for, from Chicago's number one pick. Because if you, what happened with Detroit, right? Detroit did not make the playoffs. Yes. They, they figured out, okay, well, we got We have to stay with Goff, who no one else wanted to, which is kind of like Baker, technically. But people got excited about them in the offseason. People wanted to sign with Detroit. They had two first-round picks, and they had a yep. running back and a linebacker, and they didn't really use Gibbs today, which I don't understand, even though Montgomery got hurt. It's a whole other conversation. But I don't know how much like those guys are like, wow, we hit awesome picks here. They got positive momentum going. And that's what I think is no matter what needs to happen. Well, like like Braxton Jones or Donald Wright or Jatire Carter or whomever else, Stevenson. I don't care. He has he has some rope bumps. If he develops, these guys develop into solid starters, that foundation matters more to me than anything else. And building off of what you're saying, Nick, the other side to this coin, because it's so easy for a turbo nerd like myself to say, we'll just tank, baby. Tank. <laughs> Like, <laughs> let's go, let's do it. Mm, washing the stink off of all that losing. Like, making, like, there's not really a world, to use an example, there's not really a world where you can resign Jalen Johnson if you go that route this season. No way. Like, that'll mean nearly all of his time in Chicago 
was spent just taking L's. And if I was Jalen, I wouldn't want to do it anymore either. Like, rookie quarterback or what? Wish the, wish the best for you guys. I'm going to hit the open market. I will not sign back with this team. If I was Darnell Mooney, I will not sign back with this team. Like, that's not me trying to be a hater. It's more that there's a cost to tanking. You, you kind of yes. get left with who you got. And mm-hmm. if I was Ryan Poles, this is maybe the biggest reason that I would hope that Ryan Poles sticks around. Nick, if we are actually having this conversation, 0-6 going into the trade deadline, buy or sale. Separate thing that hopefully we don't have to talk about. Right. But it's yep. possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that, like, kick the locker room in the pants. And then, like, Darnell Wright is going to, is he's going to be stu- stoked for 2024. Like, he's going to put in that extra work in the uh, the next lifting mm-hmm. session to try to get that little bit better. Like, yes, a rookie is exciting, but especially for the guys that have been in the league for four or five years, it's a rookie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 well, and being being hungry, you know, helps motivate. But also, like we talked about, confidence helps motivate too. Because like you think of again, this is going to go way back, uh, but prior to you being born, Robert. But the oh, no. the eighty four Bears were good, but they got embarrassed by the 49ers in the playoffs, and then they came back hungrier. And they dominate it all. So, like that stuff matters. Like you can it matters a lot. You can you can lose and still have some positive stuff from it, and then you can lose and be embarrassed, and then nothing comes from it. So, actually, I, I'd like to shift to some more to like today and some of the players, if you yes. don't mind. One guy that I was critical of last week who changed a little bit of my outlook was Khalil Herbert. I thought ran hard. He ran. Yes. Good. He made really good cuts. Um, I mean, even on that screen, I thought he did well. Um, Roshan Johnson, again, always looks good every time that he is out there. There's the running back one, room looks low-key awesome. Yeah. The, the one thing, schematically, okay? Again, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but schematically, we had that toss run to Roshan that went for you know 25 yards, 22 yards, whatever it was. Claypool's out there digging, slipped, made a block. Out of, I think you're about to say. Made another say block. It. Mercedes Lewis was out there. One-on-one, I think, with a D end or backer and just dug it out and made a great block. Yep. Why is he not out there all the time? We had that that Bayless Jones three negative three-yard play. The tight end out there was Cole Komet. Why is it not Mercedes Lewis? Because I thought you were about to say, too. where is Toss Crack? They oh. they ran Toss Crack and these Toss plays on like nearly 35% of their run calls last year. And suddenly we're going to pass and I get it. We traded for a receiver. I normally like passing the ball, Nick, right, but right. six sacks will do this to me where yeah. suddenly I just want, you get it. Like, I don't need to be too hyperbolic. Well, I'm hyperbolic enough. But, 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 but Tux crack solves a problem because this 350 pound problem is no longer a problem. Cause Vita Vey is nope. not going to get out there. It's not in so, the play. Yeah, exactly. That it, it makes again make it make sense. And it was working. Like the, it's actually weird. We stopped doing it, so to speak. It if you're in the coaching room, I cannot imagine the re, the rationale behind taking one of your most successful run concepts and just totally pivoting for no reason towards statistically less efficient run concepts, run concepts that ask more out of players that we like less. Like not just you and me. There's no way the Bears are looking at their roster right now. And they're saying, okay, uh, DJ Moore, that's a win with guy. And Justin Fields, 
that's a win with guy, but who we want to staple our offense around. It's Lucas Patrick, baby. No way. No way. <laughs> no way the Bears are looking at their interior offensive line right now thinking these guys are going to win for us. And that to me makes all these inside runs. I get it. All 22 always helps. They're rarely all up the A gap, but in the real time, they always look like they're all up the A gap. Right. But even so, man, I'm just, I I, I have one, like I take notes during the game just so, you know, just to reference some things. Cause I'll forget some things, you know, while we're talking here. So here's one that, so this is after the first drive. um, I think this is actually the third drive. It's second and 10. This is this is what my notes say, okay? I don't know if this is detailed for anybody else, but this is just how I work. So I just have second and 10, run versus eight man box equal Y question mark. Like why, why, why are you running that second and 10 against the eight man box? Like that's another one to can can and throw, but is it built in? Is it not like, there's just so many things like, and, and, and in my mind, that's, probably run up the A gap for like one or two yards and it's third and eight, which is terrible. Like why? Well, one thing you and I talked about last week, pretty sure we talked about this. And if not, this is me talking about it. Luke Getze, I would swear he was behind the like one play call the entire game. Like, you know how audio will get desynced with different videos. Sometimes it was like Getze would see a penny front from green Bay and he'd be like, sweet, we need to run the ball next play and the next play would be not a penny front which is a five-man box but instead it'd be a normal seven-man box but we'd follow through with the run and it wouldn't work because it's against a different formation on a different down and distance and i wonder if that was still a problem this week i think it's a little more obvious when i watch the all 22 because in the moment i don't have any idea what's gonna happen i'm so focused on the ball man i like every other fan i'm sitting there like what's Mm -hmm. gonna happen you know what i mean yeah (laughs) but um yeah how about defense anything defense you want to talk about Honestly, I think this defense, the defensive philosophy bums me out so much that I don't ever know how to grade the defense. I'll use the best example. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson gave up a touchdown that everybody's mad about late in the game to Mike Evans. And I think he may have passed off cover two and that that was just a whole shot that was wide open on third and 13 and a philosophical problem. And until I get to the all 22, I can't yeah. confirm or deny it. Am I being a Stevenson homer? I mean, Nick, it's possible. But also, yeah. that looked like cover two to me, and that's a down and distance where they call a lot of cover two, whether it's cover two or old school Tampa two. I don't know. And so there's but, but, some of this stuff with the defense that's a lot easier when your front is any good, but it's not, and that's okay. But also, like, but also like okay, and, and that happened as well with uh, Terrell Smith when he passed it off on the 20-yard completion to Trey Palmer up the right sideline. Right. The safety didn't get over. But which was also, I think that was like second and 10 or third and long. Mm-hmm. But on the third and 13, where Evans gets a touchdown, why are you in cover two? Why are you in cover four? That's what they want to do, man. They want to play cover two. Or cover two, man. Like, That's what they want to do, man. They want to play cover two. Like, on these long downs, they want to play cover two. I mean, to me, what's frustrating is that I can sit here. So anytime I say anything insightful, I always think that the coaching staff should be relatively embarrassed. Like if it's predictive, does that make sense? I I don't think myself as a stupid person, Nick, but I don't have access to near as much footage and I don't have a team of people reviewing it like these NFL teams do. If you or I can catch it as just one person, then like, dang, it's obvious. The Bears only call a man on third and four or less. Like in third down situations, it is a zone call. Nearly no matter what it is, if you're looking at third and long, because they think that cover two, they can just force the ball into the flat and rally tackle. And it is not working. 
Because no. when you've got a billion years, you can hit the whole shot. You can plan for it, and teams are planning for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say it. Okay, keeping things real simple. The scary part to me is that Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield are the worst of <laughs> some of the quarterbacks that you're going to deal with on the schedule. Like, it's not even a Patrick Mahomes thing. It's a Russell Wilson thing. It's a Kirk Cousins thing. It's a Jared Goff thing. It's a Jimmy Garoppolo thing with Devontae Adams. Like, it's... You see what I see that face. Well, no, I agree I with you, Nick. I'm just, I'm just like looking. So like, we're gonna have Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Sam Howell, you get Howell, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Bryce Young, Goff, Cousins, Goff, Watson, whoever Arizona's starting at that point, Ritter, who did not look good today, no, and then Love. I mean, you get some bad ones, but this yep. isn't last year's QB schedule. And the no. guys that are supposed to be struggling, like the tune-up games for the defense, are dicing us because of the scheme philosophy. And that just burns me up, man. Like, because again, I wish that we had a coaching staff that we could sit here and we could talk about like, okay, well, what about the pressure looks? What if we ran a couple more of the pressure looks? We did. Didn't work. <laughs> and no. no. If anything, I, it got like gashed that, worse. Yeah. I, I like they at least tried it. Oh my... Mm-hmm. I. This is bad. This is not Bears news, but kind of Bears news. I just have to talk about this for a second. So I, I, I glanced over to look at some, some the schedule, right? But then I can see the scores of the games. Arizona is up 20 to nothing on the Giants at the half. I'm telling what? you, man. Like, this isn't even a Giants comment per se. It's more like, I think it is so easy for us to listen to all the talking heads. If you're like me, I did it too, right? Where I tell myself, Nobody actually tanks on purpose. And then I talk myself into believing that Luke Getze's unbelievable week 13 game plan against the Green Bay Packers when they were winning and then they just decided to take all the air out of the balloon by themselves, that that must have been tanking. Surely that wasn't on purpose, right? (laughs) But now, now, now it's like, oh no, I think we were trying. And then you look across the rest of the league, man. And it's like Jonathan Gannon tried. They kept that game close the entire way. Sean McVay won. Todd Bowles won twice. Like the Bears can, it's not that they can't coach their way to have a paperback. Like, let's not be ridiculous. But you compare them to the rest of the coaching in the NFL. And like, you don't have to like Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor. Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor ran a much more cohesive offense than this with the same quarterback in his first year. Like, and they had enough quitting issues with with like Allen Robinson and whatnot. I'm yep. not trying to say that Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor were like the jam, man, or something like that. No. But it is weird feeling like the Bears offense cuts its nose off to spite its face nearly constantly. And mm-hmm. as soon as they finally do something right, easily. We talked about this. This will be my final thought, and then I'll turn it over to you and we'll close up the show. Yeah. To me, the nail in the coffin wasn't the pick six itself. It is the fact that your offensive coordinator called a second screen in a row after an entire game plan of screens because he was more scared about what the quarterback might do in a bad way than he did call a play for his quarterback to either fail or win you the game. I can tell you what doesn't win you football games, and it's coaching scared in nearly any circumstance. The moment that happened, I saw what I felt like was proof of a fractured relationship, and I don't see why it would get better 
given that you have to eat a loss every week. It isn't fixed. Like the NFL in season is brutal. Nick, that's the scariest part to me Mm -hmm. is that the moment you lose again to Kansas city or lose again the week after that, like you can't just plan for the commanders and say, we'll try out two vanilla game plans and just lose. Nobody does that. These are professional coaches and professional competitors. And Every week that the divide gets worse between what Fields and what Getzey wants to do, every week that Matt Eberflus allows it, the team will suffer for it. And that may work out for the better for the Bears eventually. But there's no Sim season button in real life. And if there was, this might be better news. But it isn't. You get 15 nearly cruel weeks coming up as we get to watch what, 53 humans that'll likely rotate some guys on and off the practice squad just have to endure this, like along mm. with the rest of the fans. I don't I don't feel bad for them, Nick, because it's the bed they laid, and now they get to sleep in it, for better or for worse. But we're right there. Like, this game, to me, was pretty tragic because last week, tell me if I'm off my rocker, last week they had, they, they laid a stinker. It happens. The, like, what is it? Cincinnati laid a stinker. The Giants laid a stinker. The Pittsburgh Steelers laid a stinker. It happens across the league. They had to come out this week and say, that wasn't us. And they did not manage to do that. And when somebody tells you who they are, you just got to believe them after long enough in the sport. And that's just not something either of us wanted to believe. No, no. And, and I mean, to that point, okay. So I'm going to try and, I'm going to talk a little negative, then I'll, I'll finish positive. So the negative is <laughs> our defensive line is still really bad. We knew it was going to be bad. I mean, I don't know that I want to even like give them positive here. Like they like locked themselves into some pressures today. Like I literally, I might, again, my awesome notes here. I have pressure question mark. What's that? Dot, dot, dot. On second and goal, hold Tampa Bay to a field goal. Like, I was like, they actually got after him. They but they, they couldn't tackle him. They could, you know, a couple different times. He gets away, he completes passes. Like, it was almost embarrassing. But th- th- those are some issues. Um, here's the positive. Give it to me. We're going to play some good games this year. Got it. Just by, just by pure luck. And you had said, like, okay, we could say last week was like, we just had a bad day, which those happen. And then do. do those happen twice? I mean, Kansas City didn't look good today. They scored nope. 17 points. They barely won. Uh, Cincinnati lost again. Now, again, I know it's Baltimore, but like they, they didn't look good at all. And it feels cruel, man. Time. You don't get to face an easy team every time you lose. Nope, nope. And so, so I mean, I yeah, it can happen, but I just want to see more fight. And we saw some of it. When it was 20 to 17, yeah, but... The part that sucks for me is when you just saw your quarterback golf again, grip it and rip it. Why would you hold his hands and tell him eight things he needs to change about his swing and then tell him to go out there and have these, okay, this is mistake proof. If you, if you just put it from the rough, it's not going to be bad versus trying to chip it and go over the green. Like, no, Bad things can still happen, and that's what happened. Like, just let him grip it and rip it because he was successful. Like, why would you not continue that, which doesn't give you hope? But last year after the Washington game gave you hope. So we'll see if they can adjust. Yep. And one one more thing, one final, final thought, I guess, would be <laughs> it doesn't help anything, Nick, 
that the Packers... So, maybe you did terrible. Maybe the Packers are really good. No. No, they're not that good. Like, maybe maybe Atlanta rules, but, like, the Packers walking into the, uh, like, the Georgia Dome and losing what was admittedly a pretty tight game in which the run game for Atlanta popped and you had Desmond Ritter nearly chokehold like an Atlanta team that maybe they could have been more successful. I digress. The point is the Packers looked every bit as beatable as they did against Chicago to the point where they lost. <laughs> and and that I think only makes the loss sting that much more because I understand that the Giants are in a real hole. Like, I'm not about to pretend that 20 to nothing against Arizona right now is good. But at least no. you could rationalize getting smoked by a good Dallas team as that is loaded with bad matchups. That's a great yeah. defense. We caught yep. them on the wrong week. Sucks. We got 16 more of these. Let's get up and go. Mm-hmm. But instead, I just, if I sound overdramatic, it's because... I don't think that there's a worse way that such a hyped up key season for Bears fans to buy back in. Because as much as everybody wants to make this about two years, this is like a five-year, seven-year journey for most Bears fans, right? It's not that long ago since we were watching Kendall Wright as the wide receiver one. And the year before that, we were watching Matt Barkley lose to the Packers and literally talking ourselves into, is he maybe a franchise quarterback? And if you know, you know. Uh, and he so, had some throws down the middle of the field that game. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but so then Mitch, Mitch has his arc, and it did not end well. Yep. And then Fields comes along. Fields is the savior of this, the same storyline. It's in the same, like, it's in the yep. same TV series, but it's a new season, right? And if that doesn't end well, then we're still daisy chained to all these bad memories. You need another 2018 to rescue from. All of this compounding, and everybody's got to know that. So to me, if I ever sound apathetic, but also incredibly harsh, it's purely because you had two games that you could have won. We both picked, you picked these both as wins in your season prediction. I think that was fair looking back because both of these teams looked every bit as beatable as you thought they were. The Mm -hmm. fact that the Bears couldn't do it is a rough sign for some of the teams that they have coming up on the schedule. Could they win any of these games? Any given Sunday is a real thing. Anything's possible. And it doesn't look like there are, unfortunately. Okay, so have you heard that old joke of like, if you walk into a party and you can't find the coolest guy there, you might be the coolest guy there. Like, (laughs) I look around the NFL and I'm like, and there are no teams that are really that bad this year. Right? 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 (laughs) And maybe it's Chicago. But it's also just week two. Like, Dallas looks like incredible, uh, like an incredible team until roughly week 10 when the season changes somehow. Like, everything and, in the NFL is a cycle thing. Well, and, and, and that, like, we talked about that for, like, this week, like, was going to see what the vets do. But if this season goes on and it just, then again, that's, if it just goes completely and blows up, then we're going to know the coaching part of this. Yep. But if it doesn't and we can fight scratch and claw like the Dan Campbell teams, then we'll know the coaches are there. So to me, that's going to be the sign of this is like, even if you lose, if it's close games, which honestly Teddy wasn't really a close game, but, and last week wasn't a close game. If they're continually not close games, then we're going to know Eberflus and Getsy and position coaches can't develop. They can't motivate. Cause again, it's so weird that you have to like motivate people when this is your job, it's your job. You're going to get paid. If you do well, you're going to get paid if you you know make someone do a cutback even if you don't get the tackle like 
if they you can't get them to actually do their job and like learn techniques and get stronger and you know sacrifice yourself for this then then you're the problem yep maybe you're just not cut out for this but we'll yep. see i mean i'm with you i really i think i'm just calloused from all the calling for jobs that we've had to do that yep. suddenly i got comfortable with it but i don't want to be comfortable with it and so uh final like to close things out thank you guys so much for listening dm us if you like the show we really do like hearing that you guys like the show or if you hate it tell me why so that we can fix it we're we're here uh mm -hmm. wishing the best for alan williams and nate davis and everything that those guys are going through completely yeah. shipped from the football field like our hearts are with you uh as you go through anything that you're going through um I am Robert Schmitz. This is Nick Whalen. You can find me on Robert K. Schmitz or on DeBear's blog. Nick, where can folks find you? Uh, at underscore Nick Whalen or at Football Guys, where I write every Friday a DFS article if you're into DraftKings or FanDuel. We love it. And then we will be right back on this channel or whatever podcast service that you listen to next Thursday, I guess this coming Thursday, as we talk preview to the Bears' massive season-swinging upset over the Kansas City Chiefs. Get them. We'll, we'll see you then. Until then, bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with us.